Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit. This Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J Bonus Interview is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Otis Simon and Ben Jarofsky Show, as I speak, it is Thursday, October 15, 2020, and here is the headline on the front page of my beloved bright one, Chicago Sun-Times, home delivered as always. Five CPD officers face suspension for covering for former top cop Johnson. Oh, Eddie Gate. It'll never end. Eddie Gate. Eddie Johnson, former police chief of the city of Chicago. Probably not going to talk about that today, although we'll be maybe some related items. I really don't know what we're going to be talking about today. As I do with all uh, bonus guests, I ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. This is Dave Glowitz, journalist covering Chicago government at Inside Chicago Government, shygov.com. And, you know, Ben, I like to think that I'm the guy that pulls you from the dark side, what we call, <laughs> call politics, over to the bright, searing light of government operations. Ah, yes. Well, you know, back in the old days, uh, Dave Glowitz and I, we did a podcast together for I want to say eight, nine years. And we would always start off talking about policy. It was two wonks uh, sitting in my dining room as the brown line roared by, as it is right now. Uh, And yes, it was very heavy on the wonky side. I have that side of me. Usually I dive into the muck and murk of just raw sewage politics. Which with occasional digressions into bicycling. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, see, uh, Dave Goetz has a side existence as Mr. Bike, uh, and he's probably the most knowledgeable bicyclist I've ever met. Uh, He would ride his bike to my house, and he would have, like, sometimes he would fill my tires with air or look at, he would like, oh, well, you have this, this is probably this bent thing here. Let me get the screwdriver out. I remember when we shimmed your seat post with a a beer can. I remember that. You clipped it with, like, somehow you had, like, the right kind of scissors. I think any kind of scissors would work for that. Oh, there we go. Ring, ring goes the bell. Uh, (laughs) So we'll probably have to do another bike episode. uh, Maybe when spring comes, because I'm not much of a winter rider. Anyway, a winter bicycling episode. Yeah. So winter, which, of course, I'll talk about, but never do because I'm too chicken. Once that snow falls, that's it for me. Uh, Dave Glowatz comes on at at least once a month, maybe longer. We do uh, take the deep dive on uh, the city council. 
And uh, so, Dave, you lead the show when we do these things because you're the ones who uh, listens to the meetings. You've put the clips together and you're the leader and I follow your lead. So with that, I turn it over to you. Well, I'm humbled by that uh, awesome uh, <laughs> role. Uh, but the October, we're going to talk about the October meeting of the Chicago City Council, which happened on October 7th. You know, but uh, in terms of radio-worthy audio, Ben, it was kind of a sleeper. Mm. And I, I don't intend any disrespect to the many people who were the subjects of nearly two hours of honors and commendations, but we're not going to listen to any of that. Okay. There were, a, there were a couple things from the meeting which we'll listen to. But in addition, two days before that, mm-hmm. the City Council Committee on Finance held its meeting, which I thought had some interesting conversations that we will listen to. Okay. But uh, Dennis, we're going to listen to Lake first. Shall we dive right in, Ben? Oh, we're going to dive right into the lake. (laughs) Damn, that was good. We're going to talk about a sort of a a secret but important aspect of tax increment financing. Ah. That I wonder whether you even know about. (laughs) Testing Ben. All right, let's go. The TIF test. (laughs) Okay. You and I have talked about the various government bodies that must approve a new proposed TIF district. But after a TIF district is operating, how does a particular project qualify to tap into the TIF tax dollars generated by the district? Any ideas? You have to go to the city for permission. You got to go. The, one of my favorite bodies of all time, the Community Development Commission, uh, has to ha- they have a hearing and uh, they discuss the ins and outs of it. Am well, I, did I answer that correctly? That's to approve a TIF district, but to approve a project in an existing TIF district. Yeah, you have to go to the CDC as well. But whatever. Before I don't know where that. Before, before that. Before CDC? Yeah. Oh, no. I feel like Amy Coney Barrett being set up by a senator. <laughs> where are you going with this, senator? I am Amy Coney Barrett. And I'm getting on anyway. So I don't right. really have to answer your stupid questions. <laughs> all right. Well, that's that's all we've got for today, then. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, it's a body that's run out of the Department of Planning Development created in the May in May of 2019, right after Mayor Lori Lightfoot took office. And it's called the TIF Investment Committee. Have you ever heard ah, of that? Hey, you know, you figured they would have invited me to be on that committee since probably know more about TIFs than anybody else. But I didn't get an invitation. What about you? Did you get an invitation? Well, for all I know, we're both on it because I really can't find out who's on it. So uh, ah. maybe we are. You know, they just haven't told us, you know. Uh, before it was called uh, the TIF Task Force, and that's what the mayor originally uh, christened it when right after she was elected. Okay. But then they sort of reimagined it last February and gave it the new name TIF, TIF Investment Committee. I do know that it's chaired by Deputy Deputy Mayor of Economic and Neighborhood Development. His name is Samir, Samir Mayakar. And it meets monthly to say thumbs up or thumbs down on funding requests from departments or agencies. According to the city's website, the website, the TIF Investment Committee has approved about 84% of the projects that it's considered since it was, since inception. So that's, you know, sizable chunk. Yeah. And what we'll hear now is what happened when the City Council Finance Committee encountered a request by the Chicago Transit Authority for TIF funding that had been approved by the TIF Investment Committee. 
And it'll start off with Finance Committee Chair Alderman Scott Wagespack of the 32nd Ward. And let's listen. This is a communication recommending an intergovernmental agreement between the City of Chicago and the Chicago Transit Authority for tax increment financing assistance for improvements of the CTA Lake Street Bridge infrastructure and tracks. The total amount for this project would be $7 million. Alderman Villegas? With this TIF Investment Committee, are aldermen part of the discussion that kind of uh, brings a project forward, or how engaged are the aldermen when a sister agency or any department decides that there's a request for TIF dollars that are going to be coming forward? Tim Jeffries, Department of Planning. Any agency, department, sister agency can make a request, including aldermen. It will not be reviewed until there's demonstration that the requesting agency has given notification to the alderman, not only the project alderman, but any alderman that has more of a 7.5% share of the TIF that the project sits in. I don't know if that's quite accurate, Tim. I think probably portions of it would probably be accurate, but I would challenge you on the fact that in some cases, aldermen are notified of a project and seeking support once the TIF investment committee has rendered a decision that a department then comes and asks for support. But the decision has already been made, number one. Number two, it was not just so recent that prior to me bringing attention to this, that the TIF Investment Committee was allowed to make appropriations of $2.5 million without seeking automatic approval. That was a very extremely high number, and they recently brought it down to 500000 This whole process, I, I think it needs to be a little bit more transparent on how these projects are actually coming into fruition. What I'm seeing from sister agencies is the TIF Investment Committee as a supplement to agencies' capital programs. We continue to have requests for TIF dollars that are not generating tax dollars. They're just being supplemented for capital programs. Wow. Alderman Lopez? You stated that Alderman can directly introduce TIF requests to the TIC. Anyone can make a request. Does anyone include Alderman? Absolutely. And who do those requests go to? It really depends. I mean, you could send a request to my commissioner. An alderman cannot, in theory, issue a letter to Tick saying, I want $3 million for school project X or infrastructure project Y. Alderman's request, by what you just said, has to go through a department or agency to be put into the agenda. I think just to work out the particulars, yes. I'm not asking about the particulars of the proposal. I'm asking how does it get submitted? Mr. Chair. Point of information, Alderman. We could spend all day on this, but the way it's been done for years is that it goes through the particular department. The proposal affects. If I needed to get uh, street resurfaced in my ward and I wanted to have that done using TIF funds, I go through the Department of Transportation. I mean, that's how it's always been. I'm not understanding why we're spending a lot of time on this question. Alderman Lopez? I am aware of how it used to work. I also know that things have changed since May 2019. So I'm trying to understand how things have changed and what happens if, according to what Mr. Jeffrey says, which is factually inaccurate, Alderman <laughs> cannot directly submit to the tip. They have to go through a department, which I know and understand. But when you do that and a department refuses to introduce your request, how do you ensure that an item actually is placed on the agenda for consideration? You cannot. And that is my point. Despite what my colleagues have just stated, DPD has shown in many cases where it picks and chooses who they choose to submit proposals for on the city council. Alderman Riley. 
I wanted to echo some of the comments made by Chairman Viegas and Alderman Lopez. I want to make it clear that I haven't used a single dollar of TIF out of these districts for well over a decade. But in the handful of times where I've attempted to, for very minor expenses, we're talking under $100,000, I've actually had requests turned down. And these are for public safety improvements. So I do think that there is a lot of room for improvement. I don't think city bureaucrats should be gatekeepers to this process. If the wrong person in the department reviews your request and deems it unworthy, that's the end of it. So I would like to work with Chairman Viegas and you, Chairman Waggis, back to make that a more transparent process to ensure that all 50 aldermen have a fair shot at getting those requests reviewed, not by departmental bureaucrats, but by the actual committee. A lot of issues there, Ben. Where would you oh, like man. to start? I was taking notes. I was loving it, man. <laughs> this is like geekdom heaven for me. And I know most of the people listening. By the way, folks, I got to tell you this. We made an agreement, uh, Dave and I, before the show. This was the first time I'm hearing this stuff. He didn't tell me what he was going to play. He didn't say, he said, Ben, it's, I'm, it, there's some TIFF thing in there, but that's, a, that's all I knew. That, so I don't know what the other bits he's playing. It's just totally, I'm hearing this for the first time, loving it. Okay. So improv. we're doing improv. Totally. All right. So do, <laughs> do you have a specific question or should I just go? Yeah, I mean, where, where do you want to start? Do we want to tell listeners at all about tax increment financing? Uh, there's got to be no. one or two. No, right. okay. Yeah, we're just going to try to zero in on one aspect. I love the TIF program. It's so sleazy. It's so corrupt. It's just so Chicago. And, you know, now they're trying to, the aldermen, they know it's sleazy and corrupt, but they're dependent on it. It's it's the it's the money that makes Chicago work. It's the only source of disposable. I've David Kovacs has been hearing me say this for years. I I just love the fact that TIF is is treated like this bizarre little program that only a weirdo like Ben Jarofsky would care about. It's the oil that greases the freaking machine. It's the only disposable income they have. As such, as such. It's misused because it's money that they have, like, for instance, in this particular instance, they, they want to do some CTA repairs. And this is, uh, I think it was Viegas made a point in passing, which I got to give him credit for. It was a good point. The whole point of the TIF program, the whole point of the TIF program is to invest public dollars into private projects that but for those public dollars would not get funded so that the land on which the project is being developed creates more in taxes the point of the program is not to be a to fund cta station repairs or to build new schools or to pay freaking streets it's it's to seed development in blighted communities that but for that handout would not be developed. But because they have no other source of income because they're so freaking dishonest about how they run this city and they want to pretend as though they can run the city without raising your taxes, they've got this secret little slush fund that they dip into for things like repairing a CTA. And you're talking about 36 Ward Alderman Gilbert Villegas, and he made this point similar to what uh, you're talking about, that he says that the TIF Investment Committee has essentially become a supplement to the sister agency's capital program, like the CTA or the yes. Park District. 
Absolutely. So here's how it works. And there was all daily had a committee like this too. You go, it's not like Lori Lightfoot invented this committee. Daily had a committee like he had another name. I don't even know he had a name for it. You know, the boys in the back room. I think that's the names <laughs> for it. And uh, old Rom had one too. I mean, this is not like they anything new. So what happens is the CTA that you know uh, is dealing with the budget director uh, and says, "I need ten million dollars to finish this deal." The budget director goes, "I think, oh, that's in the Billy Bob Tiff. I think we can get that for you." Uh, and so they convene this meeting, and they uh, that's where they figure out, okay, we're going to get ten million out of the Billy Bob Tiff for the the CTA. Oh, can can someone remember to rem- tell Alderman Riley about it? <laughs> it's like an afterthought. Tell Riley about it. Yeah, he, so there, there's some know. disagreement between uh, the Alderman and this guy from the Department of Planning and Development, Tim Jeffries, who said that a project won't be re- reviewed by the TIF Investment Committee until the requesting agency or department has demonstrated, he said demonstrated, that they've notified the local alderman. And Viegas says, well, that, you know, it may be somewhat accurate. And uh, you heard Alderman Lopez, 50th Ward Alderman Ray Lopez say, well, that is factually inaccurate. Actually. Yes. Of course, by the way, I love it. That was the third thing. I love Raylo these days. I just, the, the role he's taken for, we'll get to that in a little while. But yeah, that's part of the whole struggle between the city council and Lori Lightfoot. She ran on that cockamamie issue about automated prerogative, which with lefties were dumb enough to sign on to. They thought it was a real issue instead of a manufactured issue. And so her thing was, I'm going to take the prerogative away from the alderman. I'm going to run the show. And so one of the first things they take away is the need to get an alderman to sign off on spending TIF dollars on a, 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 a CTA repair. But by the way, Dave, this is not new to Laura. Again, for for like dipping into the slush fund, do you think Mayor Richard M. Daly are compelled to tell the Ray Lopez's of the world that he was dipping into his slush fund? It's his slush fund. If Ray Lowe is lucky, if the Ray Lowe's of the world are lucky enough to represent a ward that he, Mayor Daly, his royal highness, has deemed appropriate for TIF, then they should bow down and say, thank you, your royal highness. That's how it works with the TIF program in Chicago. Go ahead, young Dave. You know that some aldermen don't feel and and express ownership you've heard aldermen say when they refer to a tiff district that is in their wards boundaries they say my tiff yes. district and it really irritates the hell of me the one thing i've tried to teach the citizens of chicago and dave it's a tough thing to teach them because the citizens of chicago don't want to learn imagine a class filled with three million students and you're trying to teach algebra to them and they don't want to get it i am not going to pay attention i am not going to listen it's not the individual alderman. As soon as they create that TIF, your property taxes, no matter where you live, go up to compensate for the money they're not getting out of the TIF. We all contribute to every single TIF. It's not Brendan Riley's TIF in the 42nd Ward. It's not Pat Dow's TIF in the 3rd Ward. It's not, oh boy, in the 2nd Ward, Brian Hopkins' TIF. It's our TIFs. It's our property tax dollars. Go ahead, Dave. But they've sort of been trained, the aldermen have been trained to see the local TIF districts as a place they can dip into. And there's a certain amount of um, entitlement, I think, that if they're denied it, like Ray Lopez apparently is being denied, they get pretty upset. 
Well, I, don't, I would take sort of out of that sentence when they when you started by <laughs> saying sort of, because this is what they've been told early on. Mayor Daly said, here's what we're going to do. We get this great program, this TIF program. And all the dummies in Chicago pay more in taxes. They feed this, and it's a slush fund, which I control. He didn't literally say it, but that's the point. He probably did say it behind the doors. And he goes, the people of Chicago are too dumb to figure this thing out, though. That guy, the only guy writing about it is some weirdo with the reader, so you don't have to worry about it. No one's paying attention to this. It's going to generate hundreds of millions of dollars every year. And I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you have a say in how, what the money, how the money is spent in your ward. How do you think about that? And these aldermen are like, thank you, your honor. You're the greatest mayor. But you know what, Dave, I know you and I have talked about this. Remember the one where all of a sudden Mayor Daly decided he needed TIF funds from several wards to, uh, uh, underwrite the cost of constructing new schools. So he like took money from Eugene Sawyer, excuse me, Eugene Schulter's 47th Ward TIFs and used it to, to fix up a high school, Mather High School and Patrick O'Connor's 40th Ward. Schulter's like, that's my money. You can't. <laughs> no, it's not your money. That's thanks to the provision in the state law that created tax grant financing to allow porting, which is being able to move money from one TIF district to one that adjoins it. I would be a little more specific. I would say that's thanks to the giant loopholes in the TIF law (laughs) that pretty much let the mayor do whatever he or she wants. And why do you think they love the TIF program so much, ladies and gentlemen? Because it's their money. Oh, by the way, this this, uh, intergovernmental agreement for the CTA did pass, did approve, the committee did approve that. Oh, that was nice of them. (laughs) Shall we move on? Yes. That was, oh, wait, one last point. I just got to say, are there any more Raylos? Do you have any more Raylo bits? I believe so. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, I should hold off uh, when we get to the next Raylo. But anyway, continue, young man. Um, Dennis, we're going to do minority next. Well, after the Finance Committee approved the first CTA request for TIF funding, it considered a second one. And like the first one, it ran into some trouble from some aldermen. Let's listen. Item number eight is a communication recommending an intergovernmental agreement between the City of Chicago and the Chicago Transit Authority for tax increment financing assistance for life safety improvements on the CTA Blue Line Dearborn Street subway between West Arcade Place and West Marble Street. Alderman Viegas. This question is for CTA. The TIF dollars that are being appropriated for some of these projects, because they're not federal dollars, does that mean that we're using the city's uh, MBE program to procure and, and utilize uh, subcontractors for these projects? Bill Mooney, I'm the Chief Infrastructure Officer for the Chicago Transit Authority. We use the CTA's DBE program to procure our contractors. Yeah, no, but DBE program is a federal program, disadvantaged business enterprise program. However, these are not federal dollars. These are actual city dollars. And so as a result of that, the city has a program, which is the MWBE VBE program as well. Some firms that are minority owned might not be disadvantaged firms given the thresholds that are different. So if we're utilizing city dollars, I would encourage any entity that uses city dollars to utilize the city's MWBE VBE program versus a DBE program where we're not capturing the total number of minority women and veteran owned firms. Now, we're going to pause here. This conversation does go on. Dennis, we're going to do recess next, and we'll listen to the second part in a minute. But I first want to explain what they're, this alphabet soup that they're tossing around here. There's an issue of 
this stuff called MBE, WBE, VBE, which means Minority Business Enterprise, Women Business Enterprise, and Veteran Business Enterprise. And what this has to do with the city of Chicago, and I'm talking about the corporate government, not like sister agencies such as Park District or the schools, requires its contractors to hire a certain minimum percentage of subcontractors having those minority or women or veterans certifications. However, some sister agencies, as this conversation is is, uh, indicating, apparently have their own version of this, which they call Disadvantaged Business Enterprise, DBE. And we heard Alderman Viegas say that there's a smaller number of contractors who have that certification. So what Viegas is saying, you know what, since uh, there's no reason for us, since this is a city, entirely city funded project, namely through TIF, after some discussion, the CTA guy, head of infrastructure, Bill Mooney, said that the CTA will work to accommodate the city's more inclusive MBE, WBE protocol. And this led to Alderman saying, I don't think so. And it starts with Alderman Patrick Thompson from the South Side's 11th Ward. Let's listen. Alderman Thompson, about the um, MBE program, when the CTA said that they would look at that, what does that mean? Are we are we going to amend the intergovernmental agreement? In which case, we can't vote on this now. Bill Mooney, Chief Infrastructure Officer, Chicago Transit Authority. As the alderman noted, the DBE policy has more restrictive caps specific to value of firm, typically than the minority, the MBE program. So it is a smaller pool of opportunity. So to answer the question, Chairman, I would say, yes, it is a significant change. We do this already. We do it at O'Hare. Depending on the funding source, we either use the DBE program Correct. or we use our MBE. So it's not uncommon for us. And if this is 100% funded from TIF and therefore city dollars, I don't think it would be asking a lot to use the city standards. Alderman Riley. I would ask, Chairman, that we hold this item until we do get a satisfactory answer on amending this on its face. Mr. Jeffries, did you get that? I did. I would need to talk to our law department. It has been sort of a long-standing policy with not just CTA, but with all the sister agencies to apply their whatever, you know, DBE, MBE policies they have. Jeff Levine, Law Department. Can I suggest, because of the nature of the subject matter that's being discussed and the changes being proposed, as well as the fact that our city council rules provide that any amendments need to be accompanied by a paper strike and add document, and distributed to all the members of the committee that if there is a continued appetite to amend those two items, that recessing the committee for a half an hour or 45 minutes to allow for those amendments to be looked at and written up properly is what I would strongly recommend. Alderman King. Is there a possibility so that we don't have to have this debate every single time that any time we have intergovernmental agreements that don't come in conflict with DBE regulations that our city standards prevail? So there's a number of issues here. Uh, Notice that the finance committee depended on the law department's guy, Jeff Levine, for not only how the committee should proceed in this case, but how the ordinance should be 
crafted. And uh, Mr. Levine has been around for a while. He, he was in the Emanuel administration. Uh, some known him as the uh, the council whisperer. In other words, during council during uh, council committee meetings, uh, when these uh, pesky aldermen would raise. Um, uh, obstacles like this, he could be seen, you know, whispering to the chair about, you know, whatever is what we should do next. He can't really do that now, uh, thanks to a uh, video conference. So uh, I'll just stop there and see what are you, what, how do you uh, feel about this one, Ben? Well, uh, this is classic uh, Chicago alderman. I, I just, one point I want to make up front the aldermen tend to, sp they speak in, uh, Acronyms, so no one knows what the hell they're talking about. As you saw, alphabet soup, uh, Dave, as you put it. So nobody, DB, MB, VB, nobody knows what this means, but it's their world. They know what it means. So it's like a, a language. Uh, they also speak in euphemisms. They keep talking about TIFFs as city money, city money. This, this is the things that irritate the hell out of me. 30 years of reporting it. A uh, correction, Alderman. It's not city money. It's property tax dollars that the suckers and saps of Chicago have contributed. So start respecting it. City money. Like, wow. It's some money that just magically exists that nobody pays. It's city money. No, it's my property tax dollars. They would rather see go to the public schools. Young Dave. I want to push back a little bit. I think they're doing that to distinguish between distinguish the source, right? They're, they're, I understand why they're that are federally it. sourced. Yes, they're, they're but just, well, this is this is not federally sourced at all. I get it, but it's city property tax dollars. I would like once for them to acknowledge it's a city property. They don't want to acknowledge that again because the whole reason they are free to spend the slush is that the dummies of Chicago don't realize they're giving them the slush. Sorry, D D David. I've been making this point ceaselessly for 30 years. I'll make it another 30 years if I live long enough. I will continue to do it, and the aldermen will talk about it as city money as opposed to federal money. None of it's like, it's like it's not real. You're like, federal money? Wait, we don't pay taxes? <laughs> you know, it's like federal dollars. They don't real. That's not real either. Uh, so uh, back to the issue, the specific issue. Give Vegas credit. It's really astute. No understanding of the game and uh, absolutely should use the highest threshold possible. The whole point or one of the points of expending public dollars is to what help people who need it the most. So one way you help people who need it the most, make sure that uh, black owned firms that are cut out of the process, you know, get cut into the process, right? Isn't that the whole point of it? So I give Vegas credit for diving into the intricacies of all these alphabets and trying to pick the alphabet combination that works best for Chicago. Give them credit. For, how about that? I'm giving Vegas credit. And some would say that's even the lowest hanging fruit because even when the, say, a, a minority business enterprise is subcontracted for this CTA work. This happens to be uh, the Dearborn Street subway. Uh, they're putting in some new lighting and grates and stuff. Um, there's no requirement that those are Chicago residents. In fact, I heard recently uh, someone interview, interviewed who talked about former second ward alderman. Uh, God, help me out, Ben. I, I, uh, Bob Fioretti. Bob Fioretti, thank you, who's always ready. 
uh, used to walk around his ward and go to construction sites and ask uh, minority or women workers like where they lived. And he said they would often say the suburbs. So uh, some activists think even the MBEWB requirements are not sufficient to ensure that that, uh, poor or minority Chicagoans are put to work. That's a very valid point. And uh, you and I have probably had this conversation in the past about residency requirements for the workforce. I'm a big believer in them. Richard J. Daly uh, was the one who implemented those. Daddy Daly, the Daly in the 70s, when Dave was a young scholar at Weber High School. And so... Uh, I'm a big believer in Dave, and I, I've always had my reservations about privatization programs because it did away with city residency requirements. You gave the money to the person who owned the company. It did, he or she could live anywhere, and they, their workforce could come from anywhere. And so it did not have that ripple effect that I was talking about, where you're literally investing in your city by putting someone on the payroll who lives in Chicago, pays property taxes in Chicago, probably shops in Chicago. And uh, so, yeah, you want to reinvest invest in your city it makes absolute sense uh and i think yeah i'm i'm i don't know if it will ever happen in in our lifetime but i would like to see uh, a program that would um require workers on big projects like this to live in chicago that would that would be a game changer wouldn't it young man well according to uh former uh, Chicago Public Schools Superintendent Paul Vellis, that's exactly what he did when he was uh, doing, uh, when, the, when the Board of Education was building and uh, rehabbing schools under his tenure. And so that's an interesting side note that perhaps we could take a dive into some other day. I have a little dubious about that claim, but if he wants to make it, God bless him. I, you know, it's, I can't, I can't vouch for it. I can't vouch for it. It was over. Paul Vallis left uh, his position with the board of education in 2001. That's almost 20 years ago. Think about that. Sunrise, sunset. Where does the days go? So I, it's so long ago. I can't say for certain whether he did that. So we'll just let it slide for the moment. Go ahead. Well, let's move on then, shall we? I'll just say that uh, in closing that what happened with this intergovernmental agreement is that the committee did go into recess until the next day. (laughs) So they recrafted uh, the language to reflect the MBWBE requirements. And I guess they replied it to the previous one uh, concerning the Lake Street uh, work for the CTA to... um, to fix that one as well. Tell us we're gonna do housing next. So now we're gonna move on to the October 7th meeting of the full city council. And for this next bit, I wanna give a little background. Early this year, Mayor Lightfoot convened something she called the Inclusionary Housing Task Force. This task force had the goal of recommending changes to something called the Affordable Requirements Ordinance or, or what's called the ARO. And that ordinance mandates how housing developers, for the most part, must include affordable housing in their developments. The task force met for a few months and they released a report in September, but it didn't provide any language to change the ARO. It doesn't have any, you know, any draft language. So working with a coalition organized by a non-governmental organization called the Chicago Housing Initiative, Alderman Byron Sicho Lopez of the South Side's 25th Ward 
crafted something called the Development for All Ordinance. And for those keeping score, that's 02020-5157. This proposed ordinance has things like lowering the income level for residents to qualify for, for uh, affordable housing. And it pays for affordable housing by imposing a density fee on all housing developers. So it has a little controversy among some of that crowd. Now, the usual process for proposals like this that aldermen want to submit is that first they file the ordinance with the city clerk. Then at the next full city council meeting, the clerk reads the ordinance into the record and identifies the committee that will consider it. And all this usually happens at the end of the council meeting. What we're going to hear next is what happened when Alderman Sixto Lopez's ordinance got introduced. Let's listen. Alderman Sixto Lopez has proposed the ordinance for amendment of municipal code, chapter 2-44, by modifying sections 2-44-080 regarding 2015 affordable housing commitment and adding new section two, two committees called the Committee on Housing and Real Estate and the Committee on Rules. The matter is referred to the Committee on Committees and Rules. Who, excuse me, sir. Who called it the rules for the record? Uh, the alderman didn't identify themselves, alderman. Let's proceed, please. <laughs> Lori Lightfoot. Uh, let's proceed. <laughs> yeah, let's just run. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful, Dave. So Go I ahead. played that a bunch of times trying to figure out who that was. Yeah. It sounded to me like Alderman Michelle Harris, who is the chair of the rules committee, <laughs> though I can't be sure. Okay. And so we think about the, what happened yeah. here, right? It's like somebody saw that this was filed. Like somebody goes through all of the introductions before the meeting and somebody had to like see, oh, we need to like uh, waylay this. Yeah. And that's how they did it. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's excellent job, Dave. Go on. You got more? You want me to... <laughs> I don't know. Is there anything else you want to say about it? You know, oh, yes. Like this, this is uh, uh, can... the, the attempt by activists to try to actually move some housing policy forward. But yes. Uh, somebody didn't do their, I don't know, didn't do their homework or didn't do their groundwork to try to head off this obvious way that they would be, you know, stymied. Well, I, um, I don't know how they could, uh, avoid it. Uh, we have to bring on what Raylo, uh, to explore uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa or someone to how you avoid it. But, uh, yeah, when, uh, the mayor does not want legislation to be discussed, uh, to be voted on, to be aired. She has her hand-picked <laughs> uh, alderman who's in charge of rules send it to the rules committee. And that's where legislation is dumped that they don't want to deal with. This has been going on again. Everybody learned all this stuff from Mayor Richard J. Daly. It's not like Lori Lightfoot woke up and figured this out on her. She learned it from uh, Rom, who learned it from Baby Daly, who learned it from his daddy and you just dump it in rules and you always make sure that the person in charge of rules is an ally of the mayor who will do whatever the mayor says which every committee had is pretty much an ally of the mayor that's how it goes the bizarre nature of chicago city council the mayor chooses uh, uh, the committee chairs young david you're you have your hand raised we should clarify for listeners that the chairs of the committees have the power to call or not call things that are sent to their sent to their committees for consideration. So that's why uh, 
in rules, rules is often, uh, as you said, headed, chaired by someone who is absolutely loyal to the mayor. So there's no, it's harder to pressure that person. Whereas if it went, say, to the housing committee, which is where I'm sure Alderman Sincha Lopez wanted it to go, that there perhaps would have been pressure on that uh, chair who is uh, Alderman Harry Osterman, who is not so, uh, what, autocratic, perhaps, some would say, to uh, to call it. Yeah. So that's that's why this happened. Yeah. And uh, in, ad- in addition to that, if it, uh, housing committee is con- uh, constituted to deal with housing issues, hence the name housing committee. So invariably, there would be uh, a. Uh, a hearing at the very least. It, it would probably get voted down if the mayor didn't want it and the real estate industry didn't want it. I would get voted down, but at least would have a hearing here. You just, eh, let's just, <laughs> sorry, Byron, <laughs> go to rules. Let's just dump it in the rules committee. Uh, well, so this, that's, that's your city of work. Yes, Dave. This segues nicely into our final bit. Dennis, we're going to do Harris next. Um, you might recall, Ben, the controversy around the presence of Chicago police officers in Chicago public schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll recap for our listeners. The Chicago Board of Education voted last June to renew a contract with the Chicago Police Department whereby it pays millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars, to the police department to provide what are called school resource officers in many schools. These are cops who you know, are assigned there and they're on sort of on permanent duty. And the contract, that contract was in the form of an intergovernmental agreement between the Chicago Police Department and Chicago Public Schools. So leading to that vote by the school board to renew the contract, there was lots of activism that went on among Chicago Public School students to pressure the board not to renew the contract and to pressure schools to keep these school resource officers out of their schools. One result of that activism is that at the June 17th meeting of the full city council, a group of aldermen introduced an ordinance calling on the police superintendent to terminate the intergovernmental agreement. Ben, do you want to guess what happened when that ordinance was introduced? Rules! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. We just heard an example of it. Well, fast forward to the recent October 7th city council meeting, an unexpected thing happened. There was the report of the chair of the rules committee, Alderman Michelle Harris of the Southeast Side's 8th Ward. She gave her committee report, and let's listen to what she said. The next item is a proposed ordinance terminating the intergovernmental agreement with the Chicago Board of Education concerning stationing CPD officers in CPS schools. The committee recommends that this item be re-referred to the Joint Committee on Education and Public Safety. I move passage of this recommendation by the same motion if there's no objection. So there was no discussion of this uh, at the city council meeting. The surprise here is that Alderman Harris let the ordinance essentially come back to life after it had been buried in the Rules Committee since June. So that signals to me that the Lightfoot administration is has made a, a decision to perhaps revoke this contract. Well, the Board of Ed, this they had to deal with it too. 
And, um, and now you, I'm catching me off guard. There's so much stuff that's clogged my head uh, in between the time the Board of Ed dealt with this and where we are right now. I believe that they adopted, uh, they, they renewed the deal, but for less money. So that could be what they're talking about. They could, because we're in the middle of um, this COVID pandemic, uh, there's not full school. Uh, so that could be uh, what they were getting at. Uh, but it's, it is interesting that they kicked it to rules. This is, a um, oh God, I, I try not to get too upset about this, but I, I find it really, uh, disturbing that Chicago p- pays for these police officers out of its school budget, as opposed to paying for them out of the police budget. And so Dave, I've always viewed this as a situation where each individual school, in my humble opinion, should be allowed to decide whether they have a police officer. They know what's best for their schools. I believe it it should be local control and they should work with the police department to make sure that the police officer they have understands the school, knows the kids. It's like a officer friendly type thing that they're working with the principal and the teachers, et cetera, and so forth, uh, as opposed to just imposing any old show um, in the school and they should pay for it out of police funds because the city council will pretty much always dedicate money for uh, police. And so I would like to see the board of ed spend its money on teachers or uh, new equipment or new programs, uh, enrichment, lower classes, whatever for the kids, education stuff. So that's the general issue. And I do believe that they approved it, right? I heard you clicking on a computer. Didn't the, the board, uh, the board of education about a month or so ago, I've lost track of time. We're in October, approve a new intergovernmental agreement. Yes, they did. And this ordinance, if uh, approved, would actually, I believe, terminate that. Or it wouldn't terminate it. It It would require the police superintendent to act to terminate it. Ooh, well, if that's the case, then uh, I cannot believe, I'm about to say something, I cannot believe that the uh, the mayor of Chicago is actually listening to the advice I give on this show. That would suggest that she's actually moving in uh, the direction of not having the the police department pay for this program. So this comes under the heading of reading the tea leaves because there has been no policy announcement about moving in this direction, but this move by Alderman Harris to uh, kick it out of the rules committee does tell us something. Yeah. Well, and it underscores the point you made in the last um, segment, which is things get dumped into the rules committee and in order to keep it was so funny one of the aldermen earlier that you played i think it was vegas talked about the need for more transparency and i smiled that was one of the things i wrote down the whole point of this stuff is to keep it untransparent so you don't know what's going on so yes there should be uh it should have been in the education committee in the first place there should have been a hearing these issues should have been discussed there should have been advocates uh, for both sides like the police department can have their lawyer alderman say, no, we want the schools to pay for these cops. And the schools could have said, no, we want the police department to pay for these cops. But instead they dump it in the rules. So nobody will have any discussion about it. Democracy in Chicago, Dave. Well, speaking of hearings, we're entering an interesting time when the city council is going to be involved in hearings on the mayor's proposed 2021 budget. Mm. That should be very, very interesting. 
Yes, it should be very interesting. The mayor's delayed that budget. She's waiting to see if she's going to get any money from the feds, stimulus money that she could really use. Doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon, Dave. So we're on the uh, edges of our seats, though. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, she may have to craft the budget without it. Well, that's all I've got today, man. Oh, I thought you had another Raylo one. All right. Uh, I was just going to say that uh, uh, when I was listening to Raylo and how they pick on him, and, it, and this is a constant. Uh, you, when you pay, play Raylo, Raymond Lopez, Alderman of the 15th Ward, who's positioned himself as a critic of Mayor Lori Lightfoot, invariably there will be a bit where a, a mayoral ally will rise to, and you could just see the disdain. You know, you could, you could hear it in the voices. I can't see the uh, images, but I could just almost see the eyes rolling. Like, there you go again. And it reminds me so much of how they used to treat uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa when he played this role of uh, being the critic, who was unafraid to stand up to Mayor Rahm. And uh, it's just funny how some things... Never, some basic relations never change, Dave. You know what I mean? Like the, the like Ray Lowe would be one of those guys four years ago making fun of Carlos on behalf of, you know, because he was playing that role as a supporter of Mayor Rahm. Now, because he's a critic of Lori Lightfoot, his former allies, mayoral uh, supporting allies, are now making fun of him. It's like, I'm telling you guys, the city council of Chicago just think of it as a high school cafeteria. That's all you got to think of. Different I thought you were going to say a high school basketball team. No, not a basketball. I don't think there's a bad. Wait, Pat Dow played basketball. Third Ward Alderman. I believe she's the only basketball player in the Chicago City. Probably a better analogy would be a professional sports team because players do move from team to team. And that's what we're talking about here. Very good. Players get traded. Uh, all right. Very good. Dave Glowatz, where can people find your work, read your stories, and uh, hear your reports? Go ahead. On your web, you can go to Inside Chicago Government. That URL is chigov.com, chigov.com. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash inside gov, inside gov. And on Twitter, at uh, what is it? <laughs> C-H-I-G-O-V-T. And if you're interested in uh, bicycling this winter, check out MrBike.com. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Definitely check it. The man knows. I know you guys are impressed by his knowledge of Chicago City Council and the rules and the mayor. The man knows biking even more than this. He's insanely smart when it comes to bike riding. So, Aww. yes, we'll do a bike show. I thought I hate riding in the winter. So we'll just but we'll do one for everybody else. Rules of the road, tips, thoughts to stay safe. I would love biking. some winter biking tips. I'm thinking about doing it. So. All right. Wow. You're kidding, right? No, I'm not. All right, I'll, uh, when we're off air, I'll cut a deal with Mr. Bike. We'll bring him on. It'll be Dave Glowatz, but it'll be known as Mr. Bike in that segment. And then probably every now and then we'll talk about a tiff. Uh, just in the middle. A tiff-funded bike race. And then we'll play a Raylo clip. Which is actually yes. inaccurate. <laughs> All right, Dave Glowatz, thank you very much. Uh, it's always a blast talking politics with you. That's Dave Glowatz. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everyone. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.